This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 44 with Megan Fenyo. Megan is a licensed mental health therapist, podcast host of The Blonde Bombshell, a transformational coach, and the author of You Are Enough, Five Steps to Move from Struggle to Strength. And guess who recently, as in like yesterday, shared her book on social media? Kristen Bell. Like the Kristen Bell, whose husband, Dax Shepard, also has an amazing, like amazingly profound podcast called Armchair Expert. Just a tangent real fast. The intro episode, I think it was the intro, the very first one, was with Kristen Bell. And he almost didn't put it up because he felt like the energy was off. They went into the conversation. Usually it's long conversations. And they were kind of at each other's throat. And thank goodness he shared it because it was so so good and you kind of see their energy transform through the conversation and them talk about it and I love just how riled up he gets and into it I don't know you gotta you gotta listen anyways because of all this I say this was huge when I saw that on Kristen Bell's Instagram she was sharing my guest today's guest Megan Fenyo's book you are enough so that says something guys I have to say what was really, really crazy though was how much after this episode I wanted to be like, Megan, meet Brittany, Brittany, meet Megan. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about last guest's episode, YouTube star and now author of A Sucky Love Story, Brittany Louise Taylor, who came on the episode and spoke about her con artist of a boyfriend. You know, Megan was talking in this interview about how her life could be made into a lifetime movie and that's what Brittany was talking about and their stories are really similar. Thankfully for Megan, there wasn't a lot of conning. I mean, but there was at the same time. I mean, if you're being lied to about your own marriage, then that's a con, right? There's cheating and then after you leave each other and you're still talking and there's more cheating and there's another woman for two years. Yeah, that's a con. That's a con artist thing to do as well. So I guess this just all means that timing is wild. It wasn't planned. I had done Britney's episode months ago and knew that it had to go out this week. And it just so happened that timing would have it that Megan's was right after. So a very synchronicity. I can't even say that word. Forget it. I think a really strong takeaway though with Megan's story is that you can have a relationship and be betrayed and crushed and realize yourself slipping away. And you can leave that relationship and not completely push back your comfort zone by remaining still and kind of entertaining the relationship, you know, entertaining their tears, entertaining their efforts to get back with you. So you're still really in it. And oftentimes that period of time, that in-between, of still entertaining an ex, what happens in that time frame is often worse than how you were feeling when you were within the relationship and all the shit that was going down then. A huge, 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 huge breakup word moment for Megan is finally cutting the cord. And as she'll talk about, cutting the cord does not mean everything is bliss and easy afterwards, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And you will hear all about this. Megan's made a tremendous change in her life from location to career to singleness. And she's here to tell her story. And I'm so excited. I have to tell you on a personal level, I found myself walking through the streets of New York, very cold and just smiling, like thinking to myself, how can I not smile? And feeling just gratitude doesn't cut it. Just feeling like, wow, we have made this podcast into something. We being my guest. And I feel it after every guest, but I really felt it after my call with Megan. And part of it was just like this bonding. Like I felt bonded to her while we were talking. And something that you guys probably don't know, and I don't know if you can pick up on it, but you know, I didn't really kick it with the girls much. You know, for a long period of time, there's times when I reference when I'm with boyfriends or past depression. You know, I was really just with the men in my 
my life, the man in my life really. And the connections that I had with women, I feel like really fell away. And I wouldn't reach out to them, you know, old friends that I had. I wouldn't, I was never like the person that was texting with girls. I wouldn't call them. And you know, the thing is, if you don't nurture something, it, it pretty much slips away. And I had to learn that. I had to learn that, you know, you can't just rely on your reputation. Your reputation doesn't. Reputation is for like other people in the room. It's for you when you're away. It doesn't give you anything in the moment. It doesn't give you anything when you're in pain. And I feel like I went from one, not speaking really to anyone, but especially not really bonding with women and really being this man fan to having this podcast and now having it be all this time with women and really spotlighting them. It's a shift for me. It is. And I feel like, you know, you can't wait for life to give you the opportunity to kind of make things up in a sense, to kind of give you the opportunity to nurture what you used to have, right? You have to give yourself that opportunity. This has been huge in my life. I mean, no one has reached out and and given me a career. No one has reached out and really no one has reached out. And so I have had to do this myself and and I'm thankful because I really feel it now. I feel like, wow, like all this bonding with women and and really, I feel like one of the smartest things that I've learned to do in life is take the spotlight somehow off of myself and put it on others in moments where you want things to be about you, letting them be about others and, and seeing how they can also be about others is substantial. I just love it. I love where I'm at and I love what this platform and this podcast has done for me because it has connected me to women and I don't think that people realize how much that it slipped out of my own grasp in life and how much I needed that and in a sense it was unnatural and now it's super, super natural and supernatural. It brings me so much joy each day. I feel really in love with things and the direction of life and where this is going. So this is my thank you letter to them and to you and to all the messages that I'm now receiving from people that are listening. You touch my heart and it feels like, you know, I'm a single girl and it feels like a relationship, a really meaningful relationship that will forever impact my life. Just a reminder, if you want to work with me in the month of December, to go to my website at breakupward.com slash shop and use the code THANKYOUX for a huge, I keep on saying that word, I sound like Trump, huge discount. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. Awesome. My name is Megan Fenyo, and I am a licensed mental health therapist, a transformational mindset coach, a veteran, a podcast host of the Blonde Bombshell podcast, and a best-selling author. The Blonde Bombshell. I always do this. I have to stop. Every time I have one of these conversations now, I'm realizing that there's something that, that they have, their business usually, that name, I always repeat it, but it resonates really. The Blonde Bombshell. Where do we even begin? Part of me wants to like begin with the veteran because that just is so, so foreign to me. Could you tell me a little bit about that experience? Oh, yes, of course. So I've been a mental health therapist for about 15 years. And in 2012, um, I had been working for the government and had a private practice for about 10 years. And in 2012, um, I was 33 years old, made this crazy decision to commission into the Air Force as an officer. And I was accepted. And on my bucket list, I always wanted to live in California. And I was actually stationed at Travis Air Force Base, which is up in Northern California. So picked up everything I knew, left all my family and friends. You know, I was living in the same town that I grew up in and moved across the country and have been in California since 2012. So I provided um, mental health and substance abuse treatment to active duty members in the mental health clinic. Well, that's huge. Have you ever heard of the documentary, uh, Thank You for Your Service? No, I haven't. Uh, It's so good. Um, But it's really about how, well, two things, how people come back and, you know, people will thank them for their service. And in their mind, they're like, you have no idea what you're even thanking me for. I had to hurt people, you know, but also just how they come back and they're kind of forgotten about, you know, in this need for mental health treatment. Yeah. And it's totally true. And, you know, I always have had this amazing gratitude to service members. And I really just wanted to give back. And I thought, well, I could do that by providing mental health treatment. And, you know, I miss wearing the uniform every day, but as a therapist, I was just kind of 
put up against some ethical things that made it very difficult for me to be an effective therapist, I felt. What do you mean by that? Because I I too was going to go down that path and I ended up pulling out and I just felt like my own personality wouldn't work well with it. But what are you talking about specifically? So for me, it was just really, honestly, everyone is involved in your treatment. So as an active duty member, like everyone, your commanders, your first sergeants, if you have to go to mental health therapy, like everyone knows what's going on. Mm. And so it was really, really hard for me to create this therapeutic relationship with someone because they were nervous. Like they thought that I was going to tell people, you know, their commanders and things that we talked about. And, you know, and also I was making decisions that would end careers, like flyers, we call them flyers, but like pilots, you know, if they were having mental health issues or substance abuse issues. And it was just too much for me to handle. I couldn't stop someone's career because they were having issues. You know, I just, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I mean, it's that juxtaposition of being like one, this quote unquote safe space, but also that, you know, there's just this idea about mental health professionals that they're saving lives and here that there's this element where you could be pulling away a dream or someone's stability. Yeah. So what happened after that? So this is kind of part of my story. While I was in the Air Force, I met my now ex-husband and a very quick romance. I struggled really with getting connected in California. Um, I kind of lived in farm country, which is kind of like an oxymoron when you think of California Um, and and not a lot of things to do. And so I met my ex-husband. He was stationed in Texas, but we had this long distance relationship, very, very quick. Um, We were engaged and married within a year. And then he actually moved to California because I was still active duty. And then I got out in 2015 and started working as a mental health therapist at a hospital up in Northern California, and then also opened my private practice. In the middle of that, while we were married for two and a half years, and for 14 months of that two and a half years, my ex-husband was having an affair. And my life like completely fell apart. I mean, I can't even tell you like the most traumatic experience of my life. I mean, in between seeing patients, I'm on the floor crying, Mm. you know, because I just, I couldn't believe that this was happening. I didn't get married till I was 34 years old and I just was devastated. And so throughout that process, um, I started just losing everything about myself. You know, I left the service. I was missing that. I was just trying to find myself. He kicked me out twice. I went back and this narcissistic abusive marriage like lasted even after he divorced me in 2016. Um, it lasted up until February of this year. And so much to celebrate, by the way, because that's like just around the corner. I mean, I can't wait to just talk to you more about what's happened in almost this year span. This year has been insane. What I would love to hear, though, is for you to paint a bit of a picture of the time when you met him and what those 12 months looked like before you guys got married and then shifting into the marriage. And I talk so much about it in my book because narcissistic abuse is something that is becoming more talked about. But even as a mental health therapist, I didn't realize I was in the midst of it, honestly, until I started writing my book in February. So it's really like what we call in narcissistic abuse, love bombing happens really, really fast. He just showered me with gifts and love. Like I was like the most amazing person in his life. And, you know, he told me he loved me the first weekend that we met and hung out. And, you know, I think I was grasping on to find something or someone to have a connection with because, you know, I'd been single for so many years. I wasn't looking for a husband, but I was so lonely when I went to the Air Force and I ignored all the red flags. He like swept me off my feet you know, we got engaged, we had a beautiful wedding in Napa. Mm. And it was just like this whirlwind. And all of these things I didn't pay attention to. But honestly, like the warning signs besides the love bombing, like him just like showering me with gifts and like this moving really fast. I didn't really have any trust issues with him until after we got married. And then I started noticing things. Um, I actually had found out that he was actually married and didn't tell me before. And I just found him like in all these little lies. He had blocked me from social media. He had blocked me from his computer. All of these things, he just became really distant. And my fear, you know, I have have abandonment issues because I grew up very abusive home and I acknowledge that and I talk about it in my book. So like the more he pulled away from me, my, the more my abandonment issues came to light and there was anger and there was just, it was so 
so toxic, got worse. And I just didn't know what to do. And I just clung on to him and clung on to him. It's just so amazing how when you don't know what to do, you end up clinging to the thing that you're trying to remove yourself from. You cling to the problem. Yep. Exactly. Because unfortunately, like this is what our mind knows. We don't know any different because it's so much easier to stay in the pain and Mm -hmm. in the chaos than it is to think outside of what our life could be if we left that. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, a lot of your story, there's just aspects that I've had in certain relationships that all taken together, you know, I identify with. It's not like it's one person. Like for example, you know, I had been with someone that was like a narcissist and ghosted me and the love bombing, I really identify. But then with another relationship, I remember him pulling away the love. And also I'm someone that like, you know, these all my boyfriends have said they love me. Uh, day eight, you know, but he pulled away the love. And then for the first time seeing the anger in me, I was also in California. I was also so lonely. So you go from nothing to everything Mm -hmm. overnight with someone. What side of yourself came out in response to this behavior that almost scared you the most about yourself? Oh my gosh. The fact that I was just, well, he made me think I was crazy and I was insane. Um, but it was the fact that I couldn't get away from him. Mm. And that I talk about in my book, like I had this nudging feeling that I was meant for more and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I knew deep down in my heart that it was me having to leave him. And so what I did was I moved to San Diego. I left Northern California. And even though he divorced me in 2016, his love bombing became worse. So for the last two years, like I'll never forget the day I moved to San Diego, he cried and begged me not to leave. And I thought by me leaving, that was that nudging feeling, but I still let them in my life. And he just destroyed it. And my friends could tell, and it got to the point where my friends knew every single time I talked to him because my demeanor changed. Mm. I was just irritable. And so it was to the point where I started hiding it from my friend that I was talking to him. Um, I did the same thing, by the way, yeah. with my dad and the the guy that I became so angry around. I'd go, you know, I'd fly to see him and I wouldn't tell my dad that I was there. And then the anxiety mm-hmm. that the people that you love that want to support you are going to find out and what will happen then. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that was the worst because, you know, the big thing that happened. So basically for two years after he divorced me, I never went back to our house and I really didn't think anything of it. And, you know, because we would see each other, we would be intimate. Um, He would always say the nice things. Um, He'd come to my house. And then when I moved here, he came down here in February and said, you know, because he'd always say, oh, I made the biggest mistake of my life. And, but his, you know, actions never meant what he said. So in February, he came down here and said, "Um, I'm going to prove to you that I made the biggest mistake in my life. And I have a job interview down here. And if I get it, I'm going to move down here. And I want you to move in with me. Do you still have your wedding ring? And I remember he was sitting in a restaurant with me and he was crying. And I picked him up the day before in the airport. And on my way to the airport, I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, the affair wasn't enough for me to leave. And now he's coming down here and saying he has a job interview, which I knew he was going to get. He's very, very successful. I said, if this is not what you want for me, you have to show me and I will follow you. And literally two days later, the night before he left, I found out that he had been with a girl for the last two years. He moved her into our home a month before our divorce was final, bought her a brand new car and had been living in our home for the last two years. And I had no idea she even existed. I could cry just because I want to know just like one element is like the power of prayer and I've never really understood it, but I mean, you got exactly what you needed to see, but I have to ask because I feel like anyone that's listening to this will wonder, how did you find out? Oh my gosh, this is the best part (laughs) is that he, you know, was texting and I know his mannerisms. I know everything. I lived with this man. He had been in my life for six years. I knew everything. I knew when he was lying. And I went to the bathroom and I came up and I saw him and he was texting this girl named Corey. And I was like, Who, who's Corey? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, who's Corey? He's like, I, I'm not going to swear, but he's like, you're blankety blank crazy. He's like, I'm texting my son. And he used to use his kids because his kids are in their twenties as excuses all the time. Wow. And I was like, stop lying to me. And so he said, well, it's this girl I met and we used to date. And I was like, well, why, A, why didn't you tell me? 
Because I always said, if you want to date someone, then just let me go. So then I got mad and I was like, where'd you meet her? And he told me. So then of course, because for six years, I know how to find stuff out. I started Googling and found her last name because I just put like her name yeah. and whatever. And it's then, possible. It's, it it's, it's totally it possible. Yeah. It is. But again, I was like crazy. I was just like this lunatic. Yeah. And yeah. I went to her Instagram and yet again, another sign from God, her Instagram wasn't private. And I started scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And then I saw pictures of my dogs, my boys. I call them my boys. And I lost it. And I was like, I won't tell you what happened that night because it was not good, but I lost it. And I messaged her Mm -hmm. and was very nice because I don't have any ill will against her. She didn't know that he was seeing me. She obviously knew that I was his ex-wife, but I never knew she existed. So I didn't have anything against her. And he actually offered me $1,000 to retract the message from her. What? (laughs) Yes. And so this was literally Valentine's. So it was like February 13th. We actually got engaged on Valentine's Day. And so he spent the night in the airport that night. That was the last time I've seen him. February 15th, he basically sent me an email, called me every name in the book, told me I ruined his life blah, 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 all of this stuff. And that was the last time I have ever talked to him. And mm-hmm. I got myself back into therapy because it was like that bandaid that, that I had put on the wound from the affair was like brutally ripped off. And I realized that I really had not done the work from the affair. I just literally just started living this mediocre life and was like, oh, I'm a therapist. I'm good. So I opened my private practice. I was working like 60, 65 hours a week, just doing all of this stuff and still talking to him. And I sold my ring a week later, so in the middle of February and started writing my book. And literally the minute I said goodbye to him and the minute I found that closure, and I always talk about this with people, it wasn't finding closure with him because I was never going to get that. He's a narcissist. I'm never going to get that closure from him, but it was finding the closure of the person I was when I was with him. Say more about that. Oh my gosh. It was so powerful because I literally thought that I had to find closure with him. And when I started writing this book and started doing my own therapy and really focusing on me instead of taking care of everyone else, I realized that I had lost so much of me, my values. You know, I've been very successful professionally, but personally, you know, my life had fallen apart and I really didn't know what it meant to be happy. And so a big part of it for me was the acceptance piece. So And I always explain this to my clients is that acceptance doesn't mean that you are okay, that it happens, whatever it is, but it's saying, okay, I acknowledge that this happened in my past, but I am no longer allowing that person or that experience to control my life or my story. He had full control of my life and my story for six years. And I didn't realize that. And it wasn't until I say, no, I'm, I'm closing that person that I became when I was with him. In my book, I talk about discovering yourself again. And that's why I love my book because I was literally in the midst of my own trauma. And these steps I talk about are steps that I actually went through in this process of healing my heart and my life. And one of the processes was rediscovering who I was and rediscovering my values and who I was and who I wanted to be. So like I said, I last talked to him on February 15th and my life has completely changed. Yes, there's been a lot of struggles and hardships, but none of this would have happened if he was still in my life. None of it. I wouldn't have been a best-selling author. I never would have met you and been on this podcast. You know, none of it. My heart is like pounding. There's so many, <laughs> no, because there's so many aspects. I mean, I think it's really a brilliant distinction to be able to say that closure is not closing the door on the other person. It's closing the door on the self that you were when you were with yep. that person. Yeah. And I know that you talk about in your book, new standards and that people panic, can panic, you know, even friends around you when you show that you are setting a new standard. And I think it's for me, what my business was really about, about breaking upward, you know, it's about not being on the same playing field anymore. Yeah. 
Talk about the new standards aspect, because this is the thing. You got divorced or after the affair and you started working really hard. And to a lot of people, again, like I'm sure, you know, appeared very successful and were, was very giving and attentive to others. And yet you look back and you say, I wasn't healing at all. Uh-uh. So what standard in a sense were you forfeiting then? And did you have to gain later? I think the standard was just the sense of me, like, you know, my values right now, authenticity, integrity, and honesty. Mm-hmm. I was not living in integrity and I was definitely not being honest with myself and others and being authentic. Heck no. I didn't know what that was, you know, on Facebook and social media, I looked like I had it all together and I truly didn't. And I think it was funny because in February, when all of this went down, no one knew that he was here like we talked about earlier. And so I had to call my friends. I was hysterical and they're like, what? So that was a huge piece. But now it's so crazy because like even a month after I walked away from him, people would say, Megan, you're so different. And I'm like, really? They're like, you're not on edge. Your face just looks happier. You're just more calm and and not as anxious. And I really didn't put two and two together, but it's, it's true. And I think my new standard is I've been blessed with the ability to care for people and my passion and my purpose in life is to help people. That's why I've been a therapist and a coach, but really redefining those standards of I have to take care of myself and I have to adhere to my three values. And if I don't, then something has to change for me, whether it be someone in my life, whether it be I'm working too much, you know, all of this stuff. So I think for me, it's just really been paying more attention to me and what I'm giving to myself and to others. Mm. And did you feel like when you met him, you had those three values intact? I did. Yeah. I felt, you know, I had such great relationships. You know, I, I felt like I was authentic. You know, I was in the air force and I would always talk about my struggles and how difficult it was. I've always been the type of person to wear my heart on my sleeve and everyone kind of knows that I'll talk about anything and everything. But I often, when it came to us would post like things on social media that everything looked perfect. Right. And even after the divorce, I never, you know, put that we got divorced, you know, only a close amount of people knew about the affair and all of this stuff. I mean, I still even have his last name, to be honest with you. We got to talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think it's like in a way, it's maybe like the warning sign is that for someone like you that can be so transparent, the very thing in your life that comes along that you can't be transparent about for the first time, it should be like, this can't be in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. Because when you start protecting someone else or it just, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing how we can be so, I think to fall in love, for someone to truly fall in love with us takes transparency. You know, takes like people fall in love with our stories and it's not like the best version. People invest in that. So it's like so wild that that's the part of love that kind of brings us into someone's life and gets them to commit. And then to think that we could end up becoming so we hiding the very person that we love and the experience that we're having with them. I know it's, it's such a, I say phenomenal, but it's a crazy process. And I just, when I think back at it, like so many people ask, like writing the book and how the process was. And I'm like, I don't even remember because I was just in the midst of it. And I never imagined becoming a best-selling author. All I wanted to do was write Mm -hmm. and healed my heart. And I want to share my story in hopes that maybe one person who, you know, is struggling, whether it be relationships, health, career, can use these steps. And I'll never forget the night before when it went live, I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to know my story. Like I started freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh. But for me, it's just been such an amazing blessing because that's exactly what people want. They want stories. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to sell programs. I'm not here to make millions on my book. I just want to share my story and hopefully empower women to go after the life that they want and leave the past and leave those limiting self-beliefs and the things that are holding you back, you know, to leave all of that and create this amazing life. You know, I think that's why in a sense that I haven't written that much for the first time 
time since mm-hmm. my breakup because I think of writing as being like the goodbye letter. Yep. And it's such a missed opportunity to wait for wisdom and hindsight to talk about something because you can never get the experience back. That's like a blackout, you know, like you're saying, like you wrote this book, you have no idea like what it felt like because you were in the midst of something and it's a totally different book than would be now. I think it's a reoccurring theme on this podcast actually is the healing power of writing for people that weren't writers. I am not a writer girl. Let me tell you. You aren't? I am not. Like it was always on my bucket list to have something published by the time I was 40 and I'm 39. So congratulations. Thank you. Look at that. I never expected to write a book. I mean, people always said you should write a book or your life should be on a lifetime movie because of like just all of the stuff I've been through in my life. But for me, I just, I had this, I just couldn't stop. I mean, I just wrote and it was funny because I've never read my book cover to cover. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote it, I sent it to my editor. I never proofread it. She had so much work to do Mm -hmm. because I wanted it to be a hundred percent authentic because I didn't want it to go back into it and say, Oh, I need to add this or I need to add that. I didn't want to make it really big with a lot of fluff. I just wanted to get to the point, you know, so it's, it's a very easy read. But I didn't want to second guess what I was writing because I was in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think that that was really powerful because, I mean, one of the chapters is called Mr. N, Mr. Narcissist. And that was written the week after he left, the week after I said goodbye to him. And Mm -hmm. I've read that chapter since it's been published, but I never read it after I wrote it. I'm so happy that I'm not that dense that I didn't realize that Mr. N was Mr. Narcissist. I, I thought that that's what it was. I'm so happy I was right. Yeah. Number two, your your life kind of is a lifetime movie. Did you hear about Dirty John? No. Oh my God. It's like, well, you don't watch TV. That's why. But Bravo, <laughs> no, seriously, but Bravo just came out last Sunday. It was just released. This new series called Dirty John, and it was based off of this podcast by this like investigative journalist for the LA Times, I think. Uh-huh. And it was a true story about this woman that with like this narcissistic sociopath and he completely destroys her life. And it, it really reminded me of your story, actually. I thought for sure. Yeah. So you got to look into that. So thankfully that wasn't you, but... <laughs> It's, it's similar. I think that the audience should know, though, that your book, it's not like this memoir. It's very much, there's like guided questions and yeah. it really is from like a therapist. It's very helpful. Yeah. It's not just story. And so I'd love to speak about some of just the tools that you speak about. Yeah. And I think that that was super important for me because, you know, we all read self-help books and I've done it too, where I read it and I'm like, yes, this is great. And then I put it away. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted for this book is, so at the end of each chapter, I pose a question with room to journal because I want my readers to be able to actually work on themselves while they're reading my book. So the first two chapters is about my life. And then the rest of the books, you know, the five steps really are things that my readers, people can like implement while they're reading the book. And that was really important for me because that's what I did. One of my favorite chapters is the step three, which is the grounding skills. And so the steps are, yes, really focused on the therapy coaching piece. But again, it's stuff that I have done, you know, and I'm constantly using grounding skills every single day. Those are the things you need to be able to start making changes in your life. I really loved the steps Mm -hmm. and the names of them. And I just have to say, it's not like, I hate this word. I'm not being very, you know, uh, eloquent right now. But, you know, sometimes with the self-help books, trust me, I feel like I'm going to be, you know, found dead underneath (laughs) self-help books. So it's like all I read. Yeah. Like, you know, some of the language a lot of the time is kind of cheesy. It's like, it's everyone uses it. It's the same thing that's being said by a million people. And I'm just like, dude, that's not deep enough. That's not going to create change, right? And yours isn't that way. And I appreciate that. that. And I think, you know, I think one thing that I hear a lot from my clients is that I'm very real. Like I have to be very careful with self-disclosure as a therapist and a coach, but I probably do more self-disclosure than most to know that I've had struggles too. And so I don't try to use big words because that's not how I talk. A lot of people are very surprised I'm a therapist because I don't use big words and I don't have a huge vocabulary and I wanted to make it very simple and to the point. And I appreciate you saying that because I didn't want to sound like this 
know-it-all person because I'm a therapist, you know? So thank you for saying that. Yeah, but it's also not like happy-go-lucky either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's talk about some of the steps. Where do we begin? (laughs) Where do we start at step one? (laughs) Let's do that. I I kind of briefly just had talked about that a little earlier. It's just discovering yourself, your true self. And so really when most of us have this nudging feeling and 90% of us don't acknowledge what this feeling is. We just stuff it down because change is hard. So when you acknowledge this nudging feeling, that's when you kind of rediscover who you are. And so I ask a bunch of questions to kind of help you start thinking about who you are now, who you want to be. And I talk about discovering and staying stuck um, and all of that and tools that you can use to start that process of discovering who you truly are. Mm. Perfect. And then step two is visualizing your passion and purpose. So, you know, when we start thinking about, oh, well, I really want to do this. I really want to do that. It gets super exciting. So for example, I had been working in a hospital, quote unquote, corporate America as a therapist for 15 years. And a year ago in September, I decided to leave my six figure high paying job to start entrepreneurship. I have a private practice and I just wanted to own my life. That was my nudging feeling. I thought it was to move to San Diego, but my nudging feeling was get away from your ex-husband and start building your own life. And it's been the most craziest roller coaster of my life. But that is when I really started rediscovering myself and visualizing this life that I wanted and truly 100% was able to find my passion and my purpose, which you would ask me a year and a half ago, I never would have said it was public speaking and writing a book. But now I go around the country and I speak and I've got a podcast and this book and that is my passion. I love, love meeting women who have their own passion and goals and they just need help getting past that, like whatever's keeping them stuck. So it's been amazing. And so visualizing and and using different tools like vision boards and manifestation and and all of these different things on how to start visualizing what you want. Because Um, like you said, you didn't think that you're going to be a speaker or have a podcast. So when you were visualizing, was it at first like these feelings, like this feeling of owning something? How did it begin? What was kind of the first thing that pushed you into motion? Well, so I have a health food franchise and one of my best friends, she does that full time. So she's completely in control of her life. She travels all over and I was like, I want that. And so I actually started my private practice and my health food franchise while I was working full time. And I loved being able to be in control of that part of my life. And then I moved to San Diego and everyone down here is an entrepreneur. I mean, are they nice? 90% of people are entrepreneurs here. And I'm like, this is what I want. And that excited me. Like it, it, it was crazy to think that like, I don't have to work 40 hours a week, seeing seven, eight patients a day being so worn out and drained that I can do something else. I didn't know what I was going to do. And to be honest, I had to file for bankruptcy in March. Mm-hmm. Um, that was due to the divorce and everything. I, I didn't get anything from the divorce. I didn't want anything. And also because, you know, I left this job. I mean, I could yeah. easily go back and make six figures again, but I I don't want to, you know, this is what I want to do. And so I really started getting that feeling when I was watching my best friends, like having control of her life, you know, and like today I literally have control of every single minute of my life. Mm. You were so, in- so inspiring. Like I can't, I-, I knew a little bit of this and I yeah. was just like so desperate to share this with my twin sister because she's <laughs> She works in the substance abuse field as a therapist. Oh my God, that's my primary specialty. Yeah. We really have to talk, her and I. We have to, because there's also like this ache that she has about feeling, you know, kind of becoming exhausted by all the clients, but Mm -hmm. not feeling like there's a freedom attached. And she's trying to figure out what is it? Like you're saying, like the nudging, what is it towards? Yeah. So I can't wait to tell her more about you and I would love to connect her to you. Because on a side note, the one thing I learned when I left my... My full-time job is contract. Is she a therapist? Yeah. She's almost done with all of her hours. Okay. Because I do contract work. So this is a side note, but even if your listeners are listening to and they're therapists or whatever, I work 25 hours a week as a contractor. So basically, so I still have complete control of my schedule. So I work like 10 to four at an agency, literally two miles to my house. 
and I make my own schedule. I work two and a half days out of the home because I still want to get out of the house. Yeah. Um, but I, as a contractor, you're not an employee, so you don't get benefits or anything, but you're in control of your schedule. You don't get taxes taken out, no benefits, anything like that. So I'm actually making as much money as I did working full-time at a hospital. How did the clients come to you in that situation? Do you have to find them or is it? No. So you work at like an agency. So like I actually am part of a telehealth agency. So um, I actually do therapy from my home. And then- This is what she was just talking about actually. I know. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is perfect. Especially in California. I don't know about other places, but when I got here, I was like, oh my gosh, there's contract jobs everywhere. And so I'm literally working 25 hours a week. And I made my schedule. I work 10 to four. They That's don't, they exactly can't what she wants. I'm like 10 to four. This is when I'll be in. And they're like, okay, it's amazing. And then on my off days on Wednesdays, I work just my business. And then on Tuesdays I do telehealth from home. Incredible. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely need to hook me up with her. So I want to, sh- I want to shadow you. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But okay. So then there's step three. Yes. Like I said, this is kind of my favorite one because it's called grounding yourself and grounding skills are just exactly what it sounds like. You know, you're grounding yourself in the moment. So whether it be physical, mental, emotional, there's all of these different tools that you can use to ground yourself. And a lot of the things you probably do every day, your listeners probably do every day that you don't realize that you're doing, but you need a lot of tools in your tool belt because maybe you're having a bad day. Like maybe you are just frustrated and you use one of your grounding skills and it doesn't work. Well, then you need to go to your toolbox and find something else. So for me, one of my big grounding skills, like especially after the affair and when I walked away from my ex-husband was I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And one of my things is like motivational videos. Like I am a freak about motivational videos. And one of my favorite ones is called Unbroken. And I'll literally watch that in the morning and it just gets me going. It gets my mind right. It gets me empowered. Um, And then the other one is affirmation. So I have, you know, my book is called You Are Enough. And so I have, I am enough tattooed on my collarbone. Mm. I have affirmations all over my house. Everyone that knows me, like that's my thing is affirmation. And so I really try to start my morning with intention, affirmations, gratitude list, you know, kind of putting an intention out there for the day and saying, I will have a good day. I will accomplish this today. And if you don't, what do you do? If I don't, I look at maybe what went wrong, you know, like, Well, like yesterday, as you know, like I had a root canal that I wasn't planning on. And so like my day working at home, like I didn't get anything done. And I dealt with so much guilt Mm -hmm. because I was in pain and I was like, I have to work. I have to work. I have to work. And my roommate was like, you have got to relax. Like you've been sick. Like you have to just leave. And I did. And so this morning I just kind of took time to reevaluate, like, why was it so difficult for me to take time for myself and say, it's okay that your to-do list didn't get done, you know, and like just moved stuff over to today and the next day. And so when I start to feel hard on myself, if I didn't get something done or if something went wrong, I always try to like work through it before I go to bed, you know, because sometimes we can't work through it like in the moment, but you always want to take that time, even if it's five, 10 minutes to just work through whatever thoughts you had, whatever's still there before the end of the day. I have a question. This might sound crazy, but like, what does that look like? Is that just like you in bed, like, you know, thinking to yourself? No. So I don't do anything in bed because bed is for sleep only. <laughs> and maybe sex, but yes. <laughs> well, yes, that is, yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't do, um, I do all of my growth, um, my mindset work and everything outside of my bed, outside of my bedroom. So it literally could just be me watching mindless TV mm-hmm. um, because I was so in my head that day. Um, it could be turning on my favorite song and like me and my roommate just having a dance party in the middle of the living room. Like I always say like, we're Meredith Grey and Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, we need a Grey's Anatomy moment. It could just be like revisiting some of my affirmations or journaling, right? Mm -hmm. And just reminding myself of where I've come from and where I'm at now. I just had to see it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So step four. 
Yes. So this is creating your strength plan for those of you listeners and like your sister and you probably too. It's like a treatment plan. So it's your strength plan. So when you start imagining the things that you want in life and you start visualizing this and you're rediscovering yourself and you're learning your grounding skills on how to, you know, get rid of your limiting self-beliefs and, and all of that stuff, you have to create a plan. So the strength plan includes like morning routine. Strength plan includes everything you have to do in a day. But what it also includes is something that you want to do every day. So I always stress that, like we always have things we have to do every day, but you also have to have something you want to do in your day. So with my clients, I actually create this plan with time management. So morning routine, what time they get up, meals, if they got kids stuff they have to do, self-care, what goals are going to work on that day you know, all of this stuff. And so it just encompasses your entire life. It's like a planner in a way. It helps reduce anxiety, but also enforces you to spend time on you. I feel like you're going to be the next Danielle Laporte or however you say her name. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know who she is. Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) The desire map. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to come up with like the next, it's so big right now is like these more motivational calendars, right? This motivational journaling, this vision. And I feel like you'd be good at that, but I feel like that's what this step is. Yeah. And I'm actually creating a program right now. Um, It's in the works, but um, it's going to be like um, people can sign up for it and they get like a strength plan and we do it like on a group Zoom call. Cool. Um, So like, you know, I help them, they get a a plan and we kind of go through like a one-time session and as a group, when we go through like how to create your strength plan. Um, And so I'm kind of starting to create that. um, And hopefully that will be launched in the beginning of the year, just you know, and then you can build, you know, relationships with people as well while you're doing this together. Is that why you're doing the group? Yeah. So I have a group on Facebook called the You Are Enough community, but then I do like the group aspect because I talk about this in my book is accountability. Hmm. When you're starting to create this life and you have these goals and these things, like you have to have accountability people in your life. Yeah. You know, I would not be here if it wasn't for certain people in my life that kept me accountable. And so I know that I've been parts of different groups that I didn't know these people when I first jumped on a Zoom call with them. And now they're in my life and they're accountable and we're accountable to each other. And so that's the other reason I wanted to do this is because some people are just looking for people to connect with. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it while you're creating a strength plan for your life, then it's amazing. That's so great. And I also, it makes me think about how the book started was with that guy talking to you at the bar. I know. Right? Isn't that or, crazy? And it just so takes funny. one thing. It takes one call. It does. And one line. It does. And I so wish my roommate is, her name is Jacqueline, which I talk about her in the book. Um, and she was with me that night um, when I talked to the guy and I don't know his name, but like literally, cause I was going to stop writing. I just, wrote like the first couple paragraphs of my book. Like I had the outline and then I was like, I can't write this book. I don't feel like enough. How can I do this? Yeah. It was just that one person. He's like, you have to, you're in the midst of it. People want to hear this. And I love that he told you to do it while you're in the midst of it. Yeah. Because someone could have come along and told you, you know what, just give yourself some time. I got that from people when I started the podcast, now that I think about it. This guy that I had hired, he was like, you know, maybe you shouldn't start yet until you've really healed from your act. Thank God I didn't listen, you know? Yeah, no, it's, that's what people want. You become more authentic and more real when you're in the midst of something. It's crazy. And I'm so glad you didn't wait. I think it's awesome. I needed it. By the way, it's like the whole waiting thing. It's like, you're not gifting yourself. I don't know what, what the word is. It's like the healing part of it. But like when you lose a relationship in a sense to be in relation to something else. And I say that like, you know, so naturally when I'm with someone, I put the meaning there, the purpose there, I get the connection there. But when I take that away and I'm not dating anyone, like ever since my breakup, I I don't go to sleep at night with anyone, any option on my mind. It's like Mm -hmm. you have to find a way to find connection, to make meaning. And why would you wait until you're better when the thing like a podcast could be the thing that gives you connection, meaning makes you better or your book. Exactly. Exactly. That's so powerful. You talk about the antidote of complacency is gratitude. Yeah. Could you, you, I had to ask you about that. Yeah. So that's the last step is strengthening your healthy habits. And I really talk about complacency. So, and your sister, are you going back to your sister? Because like with substance abuse, complacency is huge. And I admit that my ex-husband was my drug. 
I was right. That's exactly. It reminded me of that. Even your inability to tell anyone. Yeah. He was my absolute drug Mm -hmm. and I became complacent, meaning I stopped doing my self-care. I stopped using the skills that I teach my clients. I stopped being honest and, you know, living this mediocre life because I thought I had it all together. And so like with substance abuse or anything that we're doing, even if it's, you know, working through these steps and starting to create this new life, if you find yourself saying, oh, you know, well, I missed, and I I struggle at this sometimes, but like I missed the gym this week or today. I'm just not going to go the rest of the week or it's okay to miss this meeting. But then if you find yourself missing meetings and missing the gym over and over and over again, and you think that you have it, you're complacent. Because what the problem is, is that when life is going really well, we find ourselves maybe not doing certain things to keep us moving forward. And so when then life hits, because we always have things that happen, we find ourselves falling down the hole worse because we haven't been staying focused on our self-care and time management and our vision and our passion and all of that. And that's complacency. And complacency literally kills dreams. It kills progress. I think that happens so much with romance. Mm -hmm. I think romance can sidetrack us. Oh my gosh. And everything that you're saying, and it's a big reason why people won't leave is because they're like, wait a second, what was I passionate about before? What was that dream that I had that they fell in love with, that they wanted to see me do? Complacency happens even in the midst of love. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that. You need to like brand that. Like that's your new phrase because I'm living proof of that. You know, yeah, I was working hard and started my private practice and this and that, but I was complacent because I was scared. Mm. I was complacent because I didn't want to be alone. I was complacent in my happiness because I thought he could make me happy. And so I just let my life pass me by in a way and just lived mediocre. And that's what complacency does. Do you think if I was talking to you this time last year, your voice would be the same? No. Isn't that amazing? It's crazy because last year he was still in my life. Yeah. You know, I left my job in September of last year and I didn't know what I was going to be doing and whirlwind of life. And he had actually come down here in September and then he came back in February. So no, no. Cause I remember I was actually on a couple of podcasts in November and December, just more focused on leaving corporate America and becoming an entrepreneur but I didn't have this message or anything. So no, I listened to my old podcast and I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Like, what was I even talking about? (laughs) I think that's so great about having things recorded, whether it's your words or your own voice, which I think is another huge vulnerability because you're listening to how you sound Mm -hmm. and look back. And it's amazing how, you know, you can be so scared of leaving something because you don't know what anything will look like, right? Mm -hmm. And you just don't know how you could lead your life. But I think about how this time last year, I didn't have any of the things that I have today. I mean, I was a coach, yes, but I wake up for so many different reasons now. And I was in the most honest love of my life at that time. And nothing bad happened to end it. I just knew that, again, back to the complacency. And though I had these dreams, for example, like the podcast, I saw myself becoming complacent and not starting it or waiting until he was ready to start it with me. Mm-hmm. Cutting the cord, man, is it activates you. It can activate you. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. And, you know, I don't ever say, oh, I wish I would have left earlier. I did at the beginning, but now it's like, no, because everything, I have this tattooed on me too as well. Everything happens for a reason. And if he would have left a year ago, you know, if I would have walked away from him a year ago, I would probably just still be working my full-time job. You know, I, it couldn't have happened at a better time and it doesn't always turn out good. You know, I mean, for some reason this just happened for me, you know, but like the affair and everything, you know, that took me months, months, Mm. months to get over. But I can only say, honestly, when you walk away and you get rid of a person or an experience that is from the past and you finally just say no, and you take control of your life, I guarantee you it may not happen right away, but I guarantee your life will change. Mm. Not saying that there's not going to be struggles and hardships, but it won't be because of that person or that experience from the past. Right. And you have to stick it out because you're right. It's not to say that you're going to see the benefits, the rewards, the change soon. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the midst of it right now. Like I said, I had to file for bankruptcy and I could go back and work full time, but I don't want to because that's not my passion. 
but I know it's going to work out. I'm, you know, I have this vision. And so that's definitely where that step three, the grounding skills definitely come into play. Listen, one thing I'm sure of is you have it. I really hear it. It's <laughs> you. very- I know I have it. Yeah. I know one I thing it. I feel very certain of. <laughs> Thank, thank you. But you know, for your listeners, like it's really important for me to stress that it hasn't been easy since I made this decision, you know, and I don't want to come off as this person is like, oh yeah, I said goodbye and like everything changed right. and my life has been perfect. No, it's been really hard, but the reward has been so worth it. All the struggles. So for that, that makes everything worth it. All of the hardships, all of the hardships I'm in now and that I'm going to endure in the future. Um, and so so the main thing that I encourage people when I talk to them is you just have to stay in the moment and enjoy the journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you're on the path that you're supposed to be on and you have this fire, like you said, you get up in the morning excited for so many different things. If that's what gets you up in the morning, even though you're in the midst of maybe financial issues like I am, it's okay. You're on the right path. Right. And there are sometimes, you know, that I still have a hard time getting up in the morning, but the reality is like the reward, you know, I think that it is important for people to hear and, and to have them know that it's not that the reward suddenly becomes it like I'm booked out through, you know, through the end of the year or something. You yeah. know, it's not that, but like the reward somehow becomes seeing something in your character start to shift that mm-hmm. becomes unshakable, that begins to define you. I mean, I feel like that's what you're saying, that it can become character based. Exactly. Exactly. Like I went through hell and back and I'm sure that there's going to be some big holes I'm going to have to deal with about not falling into them again, but I am a totally different person. And on my podcast, we talk about unapologetically owning who we are. And I can boldly say that I do not apologize for who I am. I don't apologize for what I say. You know, I mean, I'm very authentic and I am unshakable. Like no matter what happens, I have a strength. Yeah, I may be on the floor crying or crying to my roommate or, you know, that kind of stuff, but it's not going to bring me back to where I was over the last six years. That's huge. That is huge that you just knowing within yourself that you wouldn't let yourself go there again. And by the way, you can cry from that revelation, just knowing that you've gotten yourself to a place where you will never return. Yeah. You'll never let yourself to return. What does it mean to break upward to you? Oh my gosh. I think it's the same thing of like knowing that you are enough. You know, you're breaking upwards. You're breaking away from that past, from that person, that thing, that experience. And you're breaking into yourself, into a whole new being, into a person where you believe that you are enough. And you're only going to go up from there because you no longer are allowing your past to control your future and the here and now. Mm, Powerful. Tell my audience where they can find you. You're so sweet. Definitely. It's basically my brand is just Megan Fenyo. So my website, meganfenyo.com. Same thing for Facebook, Instagram. Um, I have my community online called the You Are Enough community. Again, it's all just supportive. There's no selling. I don't let people sell things. You know how some groups on Facebook are these days. So I'm very, very careful about that. I provide tips and tricks and we do contests sometimes and, you know, just really supportive of one another. And then and again, the podcast, the blonde bombshell podcast.com. Oh, and your book. Oh yeah. My book. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. You can get my book on Amazon or on my website. It's called you are enough five steps to move from struggle to strength. You know, I cannot believe you had this root canal yesterday and you are just, I just feel like you have just this strength. I, I'm just like, I wish you could see, I wish we did do video. I know. I'm just like sitting back, chilling, listening to you. <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like completely like one grounded, but I'm just like sitting here chilling. I'm like, this is just, I know. I Isn't that it. great? Cause like when I do my podcast too, it's like, I could just talk to my, like the people I'm interviewing for hours and you and I, like, I know how we connected was through Haro, right? Haro yes, yes. article. I responded to one of your submissions and, you know, I sent you my book and this is why I love what I do because I meet amazing people like you and you have such a great speaking voice. I'm just like, Oh, it's just like so calm and I just love it. So we should have done video. Although for your listeners, we were being very unauthentic today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, I got a puffy mouth for my root canal and I haven't showered today. So we decided not to do video. (laughs) 
Yeah. And for all the listeners, I'm just trying to get over the fact that I don't have fake teeth. Like that's my big thing. Like I don't want to do video because then I keep on thinking, it's like all I see anymore are these like perfect teeth. I just, I got to get over it. There you go. That's my inauthentic bit. (laughs) Thank you so much. I feel like I want to have you back at some point in some capacity because I just feel like I have to say that. I haven't said that to anyone yet. So you are someone that I really enjoyed. And I want you to be on our podcast. I'm a co-host. So one of my other friends who's a psychologist does the podcast with me. So I would love, it would be an honor to have you on our podcast. Absolutely. Yes. I'm no longer a blonde, but I've been a blonde many times. Everyone's like, so do I have to be a blonde to be on the podcast? And I'm like, no, it's just that me and my co-host are blonde and we just liked the title. It's so good. I'm like, I can't believe you've gotten all these names that they're yours. You know? I know. We were surprised when we did the podcast. No one had it. We were like, wow. That's when you know you've nailed it. And then you have like this name that everyone's just like, duh, like how did I not do that first? (laughs) You know you're on purpose when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for everything. Thank you so much. And, you know, we went back and forth scheduling, but you've been awesome. And thank you so much for this honor of being on your show. I'm so proud of you and all that you're doing. And I hope that we stay in touch for sure. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.